were there in the Garden of Eden, and the Lord's been bringing them up, like, what is freedom? What is the, you know, what is, uh, 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 who are we in Christ as a vessel of His? And so today we're continuing the idea on fruit, and there's about 285 references to fruit, fruits, fruitful, uh, or some uh, sort of that in the Scriptures, and so having gone through that study, uh, this is a product of that. Here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, uh, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now we have learned from Scripture that the trees are to produce fruit, which is intended to be food. Genesis chapter 2, verse 9 tells us this, right? Um, you can look with me at verse 9. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we learn here that tree is intended to produce fruit. Not all trees, not all fruit is conducive to a healthy life. Obviously, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was forbidden from eating from. Now, this fruit, verses 16 and 17, is to be eaten with the exception of one tree. The fruit will produce, if you eat the wrong fruit, produces awful consequences. The digestion of it may take some time. Now, you can eat some fruits around us or some berries around us, and if they're the wrong berries or they're poisonous berries, you're going to feel some after effects. You're going to feel some uncomfortableness uh, in your stomach or possibly even death. But there is a choice in the fruit you eat. There's a choice in the outcome of that which your life produces. Now, the fruit we eat, which is good, we want others to partake in. If you eat a good piece of pie, or you have a good chocolate cake, or uh, a good ice cream, or something, you want to tell your friends, you've got to try this. This is the best. Oftentimes, our daughter will say, this is the best I've ever tasted. But she says that about a lot of things. So this is the best I've ever tasted. My most favorite, you know. And, uh, but you think about it, when you have something that's good, you want others to partake in it. That's what Eve did to her husband. She says, wow, look at this. It's so good. And so she gave her husband of the fruit, and he ate. And obviously, there were some very destructive consequences. Now, you expect to eat of the fruit you plant and cultivate. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, who goeth a warfare at any time. Uh, who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges, who planteth the vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof, or who feedeth the flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock. Now, why in the world would you have a whole bunch of dairy cows and not expect to get milk from them? You would expect, if I have dairy cows, I'm going to go get milk. I'm going to either sell it for my business, or I'm going to let someone else lease it. Whatever the case, I'm not going to just have a whole bunch of dairy cows around my house to look at and have to go through all the feeding and not get some product of them. I guess unless you're on some cow rescue thing. But by and large, you, very few people would do that. You plant a garden not to just put seeds in the ground and waste your time. You expect you put seeds in the ground, you're going to get something out of it. Now our growing season here is pretty short. There's a choice, though, on the type of fruit that your life produces. And, and these are just a little bit of review. In Romans chapter 6, verse 9, uh, 21, What fruit had ye then in those things, whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. And it talks about being a servant of sin. 
You're sowing unto yourself sinfulness. You're sowing unto yourself selfishness. You're sowing and you're living your life for yourself and what you want and, and all that not what God wants. You're going to get a crop that exactly what you planted. So you can't plant corn and expect to get cantaloupe. You just don't do it. You don't, that's not your intent. And so as we continue this study, you choose the crop of either godliness or selfishness. Let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing. We'll do just a little bit more review, and then we'll pick up where we left off. But I just want to let us know that our lives are a choice of sowing and reaping. The choice of how I spend my time, how I spend my money, how I spend you know, whatever, at whatever venture or journey I go on in life, I'm sowing, and I'm going to reap something from that. If you invest in people, and how you invest in them, you're going to get something back out of that. There's a law of sowing and reaping, as we find in the scriptures. God created life to perpetuate itself, to multiply itself, and we've discussed that. God also produced that when you produce, when you when you plant a particular, say if I want to plant roses and I plant the seeds for roses, I don't expect to be getting an apple tree out of it. Fruit reproduces after kind. So if I live my life for myself, I'm going to get a lot of selfish consequences. If I live for the Lord Jesus Christ and His honor and His glory and surrender to Him, then I will get the blessings that God promises not necessarily financial wealth but i will get the joy and the peace of god upon my life god has made fruit to reproduce to multiply now i want to talk further let's pray real quick before i go any further father i i do commit this morning to thee lord i i need your help i need the energy i need the strength And Lord, I pray as we discuss this idea of crops, what crops are we reaping? It is based upon what crops we've sowed. And Lord, I just ask that in our lives, that if we've been sowing the wrong crops, that today we would decide to change what, how we've been living our lives and indeed to begin to sow that which is spiritual. Father, I ask that you would help me as I preach your holy word. I need your help. I commit it to thee. And Father, I pray that in the hearts of those who are here, that you would work in their hearts to draw ever closer to thee. Father, I love you. And if anyone is not saved, I pray that they would be saved this morning. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. You know what? Our lives revolve around the fruit we desire. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 5, it says, Build ye houses and dwell on them, and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. We build our houses and we dwell on them. Oftentimes, sometimes families or individuals will make a decision, I want my kids to have the best education, so they'll move to where there might be the best education. Other times, an individual might say, well, I want a, a good-paying job, so I move here. Uh, another time, a person say, I want to be, you know, I want... Other, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why we move around and why we live where we live. 
We, dwell, we build our houses and dwell in them around the food we want to eat. You know, I want to move to this location because there's a good hockey club there. Because I want my children to be the best hockey player they can. You want some crop from that, of the investment into that child's life, that you want them to be the best hockey player. Maybe make it to the NHL, whatever. But you determine if there is food for you to attain or within a distance you're comfortable within. So I'm going to live within you know, what you want to produce in life. You labor in a garden or some workplace. You know, a person might say, I like living in the north uh, because I like the outdoors and all the hobbies that it contains. Sometimes we're, we're raised here because our parents are here, but we, we can move, we can leave, we can stay, we do whatever, but you decide this is a place I want to stay. It has what I want from it. There is a life around the fruit you want to produce. If somebody wants to produce something of godliness, they're going to make God's church a place of prominence in their life. Because they want, the, they want in their life, and maybe in the lives of their children, the word of God and the, and the church of God to be a place that is producing some godly fruit. You spend time in God's word. You're planting because you want to be like Christ, Psalm 17, 15, right? You want to wake with his likeness. In Numbers chapter 13, verses 17 through 21, Israel was brought into Canaan land. Now in Numbers 13, they're not there yet, but they would bring of the fruit of the land, and it was abundant fruit. I mean, these, they brought the first ripe grapes. The 12 men went to spy on Canaan. They come back, unbelievably large grapes. I don't know how big they were, but large clusters of grapes. Two men carrying them. And God was bringing them into a place that would produce all the abundance of the fruit that they needed. Also the place that God would put his name upon, where the temple would ultimately be. You know, this is one of the selling points for the Israelites to dwell in the promised land. It was fertile and it was capable of feeding the nation. Realize also that the animals, a plowing ox, ought to be fed for his labors to produce a crop. We expect that if we work, we should be fed. All workers, whether, whether animals or humanity, should be partakers of their soils, you know, of their toil. Excuse me, you go to work, you expect to, to be paid. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 9, 9 and 10, For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn, doth God take care for oxen. He's saying, listen, don't stop the ox from eating. If he's working, give him some food to eat while he's working, right? Or saith he it altogether for your sakes, for our sakes, no doubt this, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. You ought to get some benefit. You know what, if you're sowing a lot and you're not getting any fruit from it, you're going to be like, these seeds are duds. You know, if you plant a garden and the seeds don't ever grow, you're thinking, I'm not going to that same company. Well, whoever I bought those seeds from, I'm not buying them because they're all duds. Now, we understand that if you're wanting to sow in your life godliness, you want to sow things that are pleasing to the Lord, it's going to require labor. 2 Timothy 2.6, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. You've got to get out there and plant the seeds and cultivate the soil. 
you got to water it, make sure, or irrigate it, or whatever you got to do to make sure it gets what that seed needs to grow. There's a DNA within it, but that DNA needs to be cultivated. And the value of fruit is that the plant, you plant it so it can be harvested. You're planting that seed for a purpose. We're planting, people move, they live, they they live in certain areas, they have certain things in their life because there's certain things they're looking for in their lives. I'm, God moved us here. There were some intentions, you know, to do God's will. I didn't want to be out of God's will. Now, when you plant a seed, sometimes it takes some time. You know, in Mark chapter 4, it tells us for the earth bringeth forth fruit, Mark 4.28, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. I mean, you see that little sprout come up, and that sprout gets longer, it becomes a corn stalk, and then you begin to see the little corn forming, and then, you know, you have the full-on sweet corn, and then you go home and butter it up and eat it, and mmm, I'm delicious, right? You plant so it can be harvested. But what are you harvesting in your life? The picking of fruit also produces wages. You know, for instance, if you choose a location to live and there's a job that you want to be at, you're there because of the wages, right? I want this job. Say not, ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. The picking of fruit produces wages. And Jesus is saying, lift up your eyes. There's work all around you to do for me. And the wages you're getting are for eternal life. You're getting a crown and rewards from God in heaven. You're getting the joy and the peace of God. But it's going to take your labor. A local church doesn't just move forth on its own efforts by its virtue of who it is. You know, and oftentimes if we're sowing to ourselves, you're laboring for yourself. I'm going to live my life, my way. I don't care what anyone else says. And so you're sowing. You're cultivating it. Sometimes as a Christian, Psalm 27, Proverbs 27, 18, excuse me, Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof, so that he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. Again, it takes some time. You know, in Proverbs 12, 14, a man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth and the recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. The fruit of his mouth. You know what? You can sometimes be speaking kindness. And so you're sowing kindness, right? You're being kind and gentle. Sometimes that fruit might take a while. But you can be satisfied when that fruit comes to harvest. But if you've been speaking words that are harsh, rude, critical, mean, anything else, you're going to get some fruit. You know, as if you have a fruit of your lips, Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. The fruit of the righteous here is, it gives life to those around him. 
if I'm sowing for the Lord, there ought to give life. There ought to be life going around me where you're beginning to invest in others and they're beginning to want to know more about the Lord. They're beginning to think about things. You know what? It's giving life. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. Here's winning of a person so they don't go to hell. But second of all, it's also a believer so they don't destroy their lives. You realize one of the values also of fruit is that it can, it can be used as an offering to the Lord. Cain would bring of his fruit to the Lord. Now, it was not acceptable to the Lord. Malachi, again, they profaned the Sabbath, uh, they profaned their gifts to the Lord and the sacrifices. Uh, but there were other times where there was food given, meat offerings here, right? And uh, they would give to the Lord. But in Malachi chapter 1, of their offerings of the fruit that they got, they gave God the leftovers of their time and attention. We think that God's going to be satisfied because I've given him something. You know, we can't bring the leftovers of our fruit to God. You know, you go out and you work. Or you have, you know, every one of us have 24 hours in a day. I can't give God the last scraps of my day. Spend no time with him and say, well, I got my two minutes with God today. I'm just giving him the scraps. And oh, he's going to be happy with it. What fruit are you saying? You're saying, God, you're second, or third, or fifth, or whatever. You're not first in my life. Because you're continuing to sow to yourself. It's all about me. It's what I want. It's my life. I'm going to live it my way. But ye have profaned it, in that you say the table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even as meat, is contemptible. Ye said also, Behold, what a weariness is it, and ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts, and ye have brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus have ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? I mean, they're bringing the torn, the lame, and the sick animals for sacrifices. Oh, God's going to be happy. Because I brought him something. Why would I, you know, if you really value someone, you want to give them the best. Now, you financially, where you're at on that, it might be different. I'm not saying the best is the same for all of us, but the best, in your mind, if there's someone you really respect, you're going to go out of your way to give them a gift that is of great, what you perceive as great value to them and to yourself. And so often I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm sowing for Jesus. Because I've given just a little bit to him. Oh, he'll be happy. He's God. He knows my heart. He does know your heart. And he knows you're giving him the lame and the sick. Because you're living for yourself. I'll throw a little bit of, sprinkle a little bit of religion on it. Sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on it. You know what? One of the things oftentimes, you know, sometimes in ministry, and even not in ministry, you know, if you're serving, well, in ministry, maybe not in full-time capacity, but you know what, we get kind of discouraged 
you're thinking, man, Lord, I've just been given to you and I've been doing for you. And you have in the genuineness of your heart. You've been trying to do the best for the Lord. And you're thinking, is there anything coming? It's kind of like a little kid that plants the seeds in the soil. And then they're watching it. Mom, is it growing today? I watered it. And the next day, and the next, oh, this thing's never going to grow, Mom. You're just watching that little seed. You know, in James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, Elias was a man subject to like passions we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. Then it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth their fruit. God controls the crops of the earth. In Ezekiel 36, 30, And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field, that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Here's the fact. If our hearts aren't right with God, and I've talked about this, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit, but if I'm not right with God, there very well may be a drought season in my life. I'm thinking, man, I want God's peace. I used to have God's peace. I used to have God's joy. I used to have a, a great service for God, but then some turmoil and adversity came, and then I just said, I, I can't do it anymore. And so I stepped back and and I stopped watering the crops of service to God, and I began to service the crops to myself. And God says, I'm not going to give you any godly fruit. I'm not going to let your harvest that you've done in the past come to fruit. Because you've, you've, you've resisted me, you've resisted it, so there's a period of time in your life you're going to be empty. God controls the fruit. The delivery of the fruit and the ownership of the fruit belongs to God. Do you realize that God would talk about also, in this idea of fruit, he would talk about tithing. In Leviticus 27.30, in all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree as the Lord is holy unto the Lord, he's saying, Israel, I want you to give a tenth of your wages to the Lord. We give of our time and our crops to the Lord. God's the one that gives us the jobs. You said, no, I went and got the job. God allows you to have the health to work the job and the wisdom to do the job that you have. He's the one that prospers the bank account. He's the one that protects our homes. It could be at any time a robber could come into your home and rob you blind. Or someone could light your house on fire or anything else horrible could happen. God could allow it to happen but he can also give the protection. He's the one that gives guidance on how to parent our homes and live above reproach. These ties supply, in, in, here in Nehemiah and the Old Testament, even in this day, they supply the ministry of God's house and the fruit. He says, listen, I've given you of the fruit of, of the life that you have, and I, and I, you know, it's all mine, but I'm letting you have it, and that we should bring the first fruits of our dough and our offerings and the fruit of all manner of trees, of wine and of oil, and to the priests and to the chambers of the house of our God. Now, I don't normally talk about this, but you know what? The aspect of our fruit for the Lord is a condition of our heart of giving to the Lord. A refusal to give to the Lord is a refusal to understand from where our goods derive. Malachi chapter 3. Look with me here, Malachi chapter 3. 
Now, in my own personal life, I know <laughs> that there were several times back when I was in university, and uh, I was at a church that probably wasn't very good, but it was where I was at, and I was just seeking for truth, and I wanted to know God better. And in the tithing to the Lord, I ceased to tithe, and both times that I was like, I don't have enough money, I didn't, and uh, both times my cars broke down. And, and the Lord told me on the second time, he said, listen, it costs you a whole lot more <laughs> to not tithe than it does to just follow me. And so that was for my own personal lesson, but there was a fruit understanding that, listen, you might think, I can't do it, I can't, you know, I, I can't go forward with this, but God preserves us. You know, when I talked about Israel in the wilderness, it said their sandals and their clothes didn't wear out. Forty years in a hot desert. God can take even sometimes a vehicle that may not be in the best condition and he can make it last a lot longer than what you think. So you're not putting out money to replace that particular vehicle or that particular appliance or whatever it might be. God can do that. But the fruit of our heart is, am I going to let, is it, I'm going to sow to the Lord, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8. Will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me? But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. What's God saying to Israel? He says, listen, you better bring your tithes in, or I'm going to let your fruits be destroyed. If there is no fruit, there is no value. There's a story in Matthew 21 about a fig tree, and it doesn't produce fruit. <laughs> Jesus. Let's look at Matthew 21. Let me make sure I get this. Matthew 21, 18. So often I want the peace and the joy and the love of God and the encouragement of God. But yet I'm living over here for myself. I'm doing life my way. I'm not willing to make God's house a priority. I'm not willing to give of my fruit to the Lord. Not understanding that my fruit and goods come from the Lord. So I'm doing it my way. I'm praying, God, but you're not doing it for me. Yeah, but you're in this farm field. You've sown to yourself. You've sown a lot of things all for yourself, outside of what God desires. And you think you're going to get God's blessings. Matthew 21, 18. Now in the morning as he returned to the city, he hungered, and when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on, the, on thee henceforth, henceforward forever. And presently the fig 
fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? What value was that fruit, that fig tree? It had no good fruit. Jesus said, you're going to wither. That tree's done. I'm done with that tree. I mean, he condemns it, and it's done. He says in verse 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this, which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, it shall be done. In all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. And the fact is that I'm not trying to do things for myself. So this whole discussion here is ultimately what seed are you sowing fruit plants and trees must be rooted in good soil or they'll die there is a delight in god and his word to be properly planted now if you think about rather than sowing seed that you yourself are a seed that's planted somewhere in psalm verse psalm 1 verses 2 and 3 but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. What happened to this tree? God's word was the centerpiece, and he grew, and he produced fruit for the Lord. Ezekiel 17 talks about a, a, a planting in soil by great waters. Bring forth branches, bring forth fruit. You know what, you've got to be by the refreshing waters. You know that dryness of my soul? That emptiness that I can feel at times? Discouragement? Not that, not, you know... <laughs> I had to get back to those fresh waters. I got to be in good soil. If I want to produce good fruit, I got to be near a good water. I got to be near that which is refreshing. And here in Ezekiel, Zedekiah had been allowed to grow and prosper under Babylon, but he would end up rebelling against the authority and he'd be uprooted. Now, what happens when you remove roots from the ground? Now, hopefully, you go out in your yard and you see some dandelions and you see the dandelion growing. And if you go and just pluck off the dandelion, right, you just tear off the flower and chuck it away. That sucker's coming back tomorrow. Like, I think it's bringing like 50 of its friends with them, but whatever the case. I mean, that dandelion's coming back up. You got to get the root, you got to bring all of it. It's coming back up. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but, you know, it just seems like those dandelions reproduce until you get all the root. And the fact is, if I'm not rooted in Christ, and I'm not rooted in the Word of God, and I'm in this soil, I'm going to dry up. I'm going to be looking for something to satisfy me. And you're continually be looking for something to satisfy you. And that's many times what brings people to the place of extreme bondage in their life. Because there's an emptiness in their soul. They're not planted in Christ, they're planted in themselves. Or as a believer, they've, they're not by the cool, refreshing waters. They're not in the Word of God. They begin to let the world wither them away with the heat of the day 
You want to know something else that also produ- helps us to produce fruit in our lives? Look with me at Deuteronomy 22.9. It's kind of an odd uh, verse on when dealing with fruit. But actually, I looked it up. I was doing some kind of studying on farming because it talks about farming here and the study of fruit. I li- it is pretty interesting how the Bible talks about different science things. Deuteronomy 22.9. Thou shalt not sow, Deuteronomy 22.9, thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds, you know, with various seeds, right? Lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. He's saying, listen, you can't have two different seeds if you want a whole vineyard of one type of seed, right? As one uh, gentleman here, Adam Clark, says, as to seeds, in many cases, it would be improper to sow different kinds in the same plot of ground. It would be improvident to sow oats and wheat together. The latter would be injured, the former ruined. The turnip and carrot would not succeed conjointly, whether either of them separately would prosper and yield a good crop. So we may say of many other kinds of seeds, and this be all that is intended, the councils are prudent, prudential, uh, agricultural maxims. But the fact is here of mixing seeds, and in fact, I was actually looking at it with winter wheat and volunteer wheat. And the, the fact is, if you want to plant winter wheat, which is more accustomed to the colder weather, you have to get rid of the volunteer wheat, which is left over from past crops. So you've got to, <laughs> there has to be, a, you know, and you're going to defile the crop you're seeking to grow. What do you, why are you telling us this? What's scriptural application? The scriptural application is, I can't be doing for the Lord and planting for Christ and planting for myself. I'm going to have a defiled crop. If I'm living for Christ and serving Christ and spending time with Christ and I want to do that what Christ wants me to do and live out my life for Him, but yet I'm indulging in myself and in my own fleshly desires, I'm indulging in things which God forbids and then I think somehow because I've invested here but I'm also investing here that I'm going to get a magnificent crop. You're going to get a defiled crop, God's saying. You can't, there has to be separation. You have to say no to worldliness. You have to, not only that, but you also have to care where these seeds are planted. Where am I going to plant myself? You know, someone that might say, well, I've got a new job and I'm here at a liquor joint and I'm selling all of this awful thing, but I'm going to serve Jesus. Now, they might get saved there. But they don't need to stay there. Find another, ask God, help me find another job, right? If you're, you know, the job you're in and the, where you're at, I mean, if you're in a place, you know, a person might be saying, I, I work at a night joint. It's not going to be good for your spiritual growth. Because you're around such horrible filth. It's not going to help you grow. Someone endeavors to get into relationship, maybe, with an individual that doesn't want to know Christ. They do want to know Christ. You're not planting yourself in good soil to grow. You've got to care where the roots are planted. I'd like you to look with me at Matthew 13. 
Lord willing, I'll finish this up this evening. You've got to care where the roots are planted. Proverbs 12, 12. The wicked desireth the net of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. The root is planted in good soil. Matthew 13, 3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed some seeds, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some in hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Okay. Now, the fruit of truth, now listen, now you're looking at this and you're thinking about, yeah, if I, if I go out to the parking lot and I'm trying to plant a whole bunch of good crops of some vegetable or whatever I'm trying to plant, it's going to be a little bit more difficult on those rocks. And the, ver- you know, the, the well-trod path, you know, it's driven on a lot. I mean, you know, dandelions seem to grow anywhere. I don't know how they do it, but they do. Weeds do. But if I want to have a good garden, I'm not going to go out here. I'm going to have a nice cultivated soil. I'm going to make sure the soil is good, and I'm going to plant my seeds. You know, sometimes you might plant some seeds, and, and the birds come down, and they're plucking it because maybe it's not under soil yet. But there's a scriptural application, verse 19 of Matthew 13, if you found yourself there. It says, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which is sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. So the fact is, what it's telling us is you have a hard heart where you don't really care to know God. You really don't, you know what, you can hear truth all day long, but you're kind of like, you know what, I don't, it doesn't really matter if I'm rooted. I'm kind of just going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to just kind of float through life and just be what be, you know. Let be what may be or whatever, you know, I, I just don't really care. You're not receptive. Then again, verse 20, but he that receiveth the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath no root in himself. So you get on some rocks, and, and maybe there's a little place to grow and get your root down, but the sun comes up and it just kind of withers you away. A little bit of hardship comes into your life. and Ah, that whole Christianity thing, that's, ah, what boring thing is that? And then, verse 21, Yet he hath no root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by he is offended. This is a person that could be, quote-unquote, on fire for Jesus for a time, but when affliction and hardship come into their life, they show that they were never really a, a Christian. They weren't saved. Verse 22, he also that received the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and becometh unfruitful. Maybe get some ground, but work and hobbies and other things begin to take precedence over God and you're not effective for Christ. The only thing you're sowing is a whole bunch of fruit unto yourself. Verse 23, but he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some in hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. You know what you do? You say, listen, I care where I'm planted. The book of Jude tells us that rebels, people who are rebellious to authority, whether they're parents or others, they're not going to have a good root. 
sneaking behind maybe parents or sneaking behind authorities in their life to try to do what they want to do. They're not going to have some root. They're going to have a lot of extra pain in their life. Proverbs 10, 16, though, tells us, the labor of the righteous tendeth to life. The fruit of the wicked is sin. If your life is not producing godly fruit, wherein you're not having godly effect upon those around you, it might be time to start evaluating whether you're putting your time in the right place. You realize Leviticus 26, 19, and I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron, and your earth as brass, and your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. The the truth here in this Leviticus passage is God saying, listen, if you're not rooted right, life's going to be a lot harder. And you won't have me with you to walk it with you. You know, come unto me all you that are weary and heavy laden, right? We like that verse. But if you don't come and you're not planted, and you resist God, and you want to do it life your way, it's going to be a whole lot harder. You can, play a lot of, you can put a lot of time and emphasis into playing the part of a Christian, but if your time and commitment and your language and your heart are not doing what God has commanded you to do, then you're sowing in a field that will not produce anything of spiritual value. You're tilling the ground in a barren wasteland. A steady trust in the Lord is a maintained and lively tree with a healthy root base. Look with me at Jeremiah 17, 7. I got two verses left and I'll bring it to a close. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when he cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. What's he saying? You know when the hard time comes in your life? And you're really burdened. You're not going to wither up and dry up. Because you're planted in a good crop. You're planted in good soil. Blesses the man that trusts in the Lord. You know what? I'm, I might be going through some hard times. I'm just going to trust God. I don't understand it. I don't know why I'm going through it. I'm just going to trust Him. We were talking with someone recently, and they're quite incensed and just struggling with the way the government's going and some of the things in the world today. I said, you know what? It's all in God. God's still in control. I don't need to let it make me up into all sorts of confusion and frustration and irritation and anger. I can plug ahead. Just keep plotting along. When I put my roots in Him who is eternal refreshment, I can maintain. I can be healthy. Does it mean I'm not going to ever sorrow? No, I'm not saying that. Does it mean when the, when the push comes to shove and you're just saying, God, it's more than I can handle, I'm about ready to break? No. 
I can continue on for him. I'm settled. Because when that heat cometh and those afflictions come, my roots are planted correctly. And a place to plant your roots, Psalm 92, 13, my last verse for this morning, 13 through 15. You planted in the Lord Jesus Christ and you planted in the very institution he started in the local church. You plant yourself and you begin to serve God. You begin to honor him and praise him and you begin to serve in the local church. You plant your roots. What does it say here? In Psalm 92, 13, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. In the house of the Lord. They're in the presence of God, but that also has an implication amongst God's people. The, The house of the Lord and the house of the Lord today, in this dispensation, is in the local church. A godly local church, right? You plant yourself. You're saved, scripturally baptized, you join the church, and you begin to serve God. I'm going to plant myself in the very thing that Jesus started. You can't just plant yourself in some idea, in a mystical way. You plant yourself in God's Word, in fellowship with Him and the Spirit of God, and you plant yourself in the house of God in the local church. Tonight we're going to talk about a warning manual for crops. And, uh, but I just want you to think about that. Where are you planting your roots? What are your roots planted in? Why are they planted there? If you want to change the outcome, you've got to change the soil that you're planted in. Roots don't grow in bad soil. Now, it depends upon what you mean by bad, but irrespective of that, roots don't grow in bad soil. Is your soil godly or selfishly? You make that decision. Well, as we come to the time of invitation this morning, if I could have Mrs. Pat come forward, please. I want to encourage you to really think about, again, tips on the fruit of life, the crop that you are producing the crop that is allowing your roots to be planted so when hard times come, you're not withering up. You're not falling away. You're planted and ready to stay. As the music plays, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to just challenge you in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you flourishing? floundering. Flourishing requires good soil. Floundering requires you do nothing. Even an individual that might say, well, I'm pretty well off. I've got the money and everything I need. But at the end of their life, they have nothing for eternal value. If they're not planted in the right soil, trust that we would have fruit that would remain for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
as I was preaching this morning, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not certain if you die, you're going to heaven or you're going to hell. And you'd say, Pastor, I'd like you to pray for me. I'd be happy to pray for you. My prayer won't make you a believer, but I would be happy to pray for you that you would settle that decision. Is there anyone like that? You just lift your hand up with all heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. I'd like you to pray for me, Pastor. Anyone like that? Is there anyone that's a Christian that says, Pastor, I know I'm a Christian, but I know there's some things to work on in my life, and I'd ask that you'd pray for me, that my roots would be planted, and I'd produce the fruit that I ought to produce. If that's the case in your life, would you, if you're willing, and you'd like to say, Pastor, I could pray for you, would you be willing to raise your hand? I won't call you out, I won't say your name, but I will pray for you. Anyone like that? Just lift your hand up or slip it up, and I'll be happy to pray for you. The music will come to a close here shortly. Just trust that believers, we would plant ourselves and we would flourish and produce fruit, not for our glory, but for the glory of the one that so rightfully deserves it, our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I love you and I thank you for uh, this day. Lord, as we just think about planting ourselves in the right soil to produce the right crops. Many times things happen in our lives uh, that are quite unfortunate. Lord, we question you, but instead of questioning you, Lord, we don't look at ourselves and realize that, Lord, maybe, just maybe my roots aren't planted in the right soil. Maybe that seed of selfishness is producing a crop, and I just don't like it. Father, would we repent of that and ask you to change what soil we're planted in? Father, I love you, and I thank you for your grace. I pray that, Lord, we be transplanted from selfishness into the plant, into the soil of godliness. Lord, help us to produce fruit that remains. And Lord, may we look up Lift up our eyes and look on the fields. Realize the labors that we can do for you. Lord, I love you and thank you for all that you will do and have done. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. See you tonight.